Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I am Chris, back here once again with Patrick. Hey. And Steven. Hello, my father. Yeah, we are men of the cloth today because we're going to be reviewing The Seventh Day, the relatively recent exorcism thriller. That was our pick given to us by the Cyber Wheel of Death last time. But before we do that, you know, we like to do a little horror catch up and share some of the things that we've been watching over the past couple weeks or reading or what have you. Um, I haven't been really immersed in the world of horror in the last couple weeks. What about you guys? I haven't really so much either. You know, I'm kind of gearing up for, for Christmas and trying to find some new Christmas horrors I haven't seen. So I've made it my personal mission to watch all five Silent Night, Deadly Night movies because there are five. Well, six, if you include Silent Night, which is the remake, which I think I'm also going to try to watch. Shit. Uh, I've made it through the first two. I'm not super impressed so far. I mean, there's some gonzo stuff in the second one that you can look up online if you've ever seen the Garbage Day clip that that goes viral every couple of years. Um, So far, I would say just watch Christmas Evil, but I'll report back. The next one sounds pretty wild. Uh, Patrick, you might appreciate this. Monty Hellman director of Tulane Blacktop, one of the greatest American films of the oh, 70s, wow. I believe wrote and directed the third film, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Better Watch Out, uh, as a straight-to-video venture. So I'm sure that is a hot, steaming pile of trash, and I'm pretty stoked for it. Is Silent Night, Deadly Night the one with like the, the Santa who goes on a killing spree, like yeah. mall Santa who loses his mind or whatever? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm completely naive to the franchise, other than you refuse to watch anything else until you complete this mission that you're on, which is annoying. (laughs) Hey, I did watch Uncut Gems finally, so give me some Oh, you did watch Uncut Gems. Oh, wow. Yeah, but but Steven's been bogarting my bootleg Abyss Blu-ray, and he refuses to watch it. (laughs) He should have made an extra copy. Um, I feel like so, I, I feel like we need to drop in the soundbite of me taking you to to task for your use of the term bogarting about people <laughs> having Blu-rays that you've lent to them from the last time you were bitching at me for that. Oh, that was a classic <laughs> bit. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Um, but uh, so Stephen, so so is this um like is it an anthology or it's one continuity or what's the deal with all these sequels? I mean, the first two are related, and the second one uses a shitload of footage from the first movie, which is pretty common for sequels of that ilk. Uh, The rest of them, I don't know. I mean, apparently there's demons. Apparently there are uh, animated evil toys at some point. Um, Wait, is Christmas Evil... So Christmas Evil is part of the franchise? No, no. Oh, Oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm just saying Christmas Evil, if you're going to go for an evil Santa, like, oh. uh, to this point, in my my experience with holiday horror at this point in my life, I think that's still kind of top tier. I don't think you can beat that. Is is Christmas Evil Santa really evil? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> it's, it is quite a moral quandary. Maybe, maybe that lends it some extra staying power. I literally can't keep all these, like, evil Santa movies straight. There's Christmas Evil, there's Silent Night, Deadly Night, there's Deadly Games, there's fucking Northern something, I forget the name of it. Uh, There's too many. And there's that French one that we watched last year that I actually liked. I forget the name of that one now. Maybe that that is Deadly Deadly Games. Games. That is Deadly Games. I can't keep them straight. It's clearly, clearly you can't keep them straight. Yeah. Yeah, because those are all, I think, very distinctly different movies and the only thing they really have in common is that they're set at christmas time well and and an evil santa right don't they all have a some in some fashion an evil santa yeah but very different evil santas christmas evil again i don't know it's in the title but i'm kind of with chris maybe he's not entirely evil but that's the one that's like super grungy from the late 70s with fiona apple's dad as like the creepy guy who works in the toy factory who who just like loses his mind and thinks he's Santa Claus and he goes out to punish all the bad kids and his oh, flying. Yeah. It's, it's proto Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Much. Okay. I do remember that. So then wait, what's silent night, deadly night? 
Uh, very, very similar. It's like a okay. te- a, te- a teenage kid kind of snaps while wearing a Santa costume, working at this really weird little toy store, and starts murdering people. Um, oh, yeah. maybe I haven't seen that one. I think I, I saw. I've seen Christmas Evil. I don't think I've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. Okay, great. Glad we straightened that out. It's important. And the only Christmas movie we need to worry about is the best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Oh my Fuck god! Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Gremlins, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Gremlins. I could, I, my favorite Christmas movie is Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> <laughs> which actually is is I would argue that is a legitimately Christmas movie. Yeah, uh, I'm with you maybe, on that. Maybe you're gonna have to put that into the rotation this year. What about you, Patrick? You've been watching anything, reading anything? I know you've been reading something. He's always this is the bookman, bookmeister over here. You got a reader over here. Watch out! I have been reading a ton lately, even more so than usual. Um, but not a ton of horror. I did actually weirdly for the first time ever finally read The Call of Cthulhu. I've I've read Lovecraft stories here and there over the years, but I've actually never read The Call of Cthulhu. And uh, it, honestly, mostly I had read some of his most famously heinously egregiously racist stories just to see exactly how racist they were and i have to say even this one which doesn't necessarily have a reputation as like one of the most racist is still extremely racist um so that was uh that was an interesting exercise but i was actually led to it uh and i'll throw this out there it's not horror related but if you like genre stuff read the city we became by nk jemison amazing kind of modern urban fantasy i want to say kind of reminded me of american gods if you were talking about cities uh having physical personifications as opposed to gods having physical personifications just a wonderful wonderful book that references uh lovecraft and call of cthulhu a bit which kind of led me to go back to the source text that i had never read so fuck lovecraft and fuck the call of cthulhu but go read the city we became by nk jemison instead right on sounds great uh yeah well i wish i had something to report but you know it's it's the it's the yuletide season i am rejecting all things horror related and bringing myself closer to the closer to the true meaning of christmas which is home Um, alone right on a loop so yeah home alone on a loop and uh you know getting in touch with uh christ jesus which is what this movie is about (laughs) that we watched this week the seventh day amen to that Uh, Uh, amazing segue so the seventh day (laughs) where to begin so we have uh basically guy pierce stars as a exorcist but he's not your father's exorcist no. he is he's he does things a little differently here oh he likes rock and roll he uses the f word with abandon i mean well and we and we thought stephen lang was going to be the rebel exorcist but it turns out stephen lang is the fucking archbishop and guy pierce is the the maverick the john mccain of exorcists Stephen Lang putting on a, a a a great performance, master of disguise. I I haven't True. seen a lot of Stephen Lang roles, but you know the ones that we've seen, he kind of has the same sort of character. And this is totally different guy. You won't even recognize him. Maybe. He's got fucking glasses and everything. He's got glasses. He's got an accent um, and no it's, stubble. It's, oh my god! I mean, that was the biggest shock. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> he um, just disappears into this role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It um, might actually be Gary Oldman as Stephen Lang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Gary Oldman as Stephen Lang. <laughs> well, I did not know going into this that Keith David was going to be in this for like two minutes. That was yeah. kind of yep. shocking. Same. Yep. Keith David's in for two minutes. So, so we open with a with a real brief prologue where we see baby Guy Pierce um, as as the little uh, uh, protege of of Father Keith David. And they're they're performing a exorcism, and it goes awry, and the Keith David dies. He's killed by the devil. Uh, a child becomes the Joker, like literally becomes the Joker uh, in the yeah, first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. I know they, they were like, "What's the most horrifying thing that can happen to this child that's never been seen on screen in an exorcism movie before? What if he literally becomes the Joker?" <laughs> <laughs> I I dug, uh, I dug the way that kid looked. I thought it was creepy. I dug the um, the projectile crucifix that kills Keith David. I thought that was an interesting death sequence. Never yeah, seen oh, that yeah. before. I'm making, I'm making jokes, but I was I was there for it. I I, I like that. I was slightly disappointed with that because like the the necklace was pulling away from her neck and I thought that it was just going to slice right through her neck from the yes! back and decapitate her. So I thought that I was, I thought it was going to be like a little, no ship. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with the actual outcome there, but fine. Yeah, um, 
But anyway, so that's just the prologue. Basically, Keith David dies. Uh, we find out that even the, even the kid died. And then we cut to modern day. And it does this thing that I, I do not condone, where it shows like the traumatized eyes of baby Guy Pierce. But then it cuts to modern day, and we meet our main character, Father Daniel, like in a waiting room. And- exactly like the kid growing up. <laughs> yes. So they broke one of the, the grammatical rules of filmmaking, which is when you have a close-up on a young character, and you cut to modern day on a close-up on another character, it's got to be the same character. So I went through the you know first uh, 10, the next 10 minutes of this movie thinking that baby Guy Pierce grew up to be father daniel but no he grows up to be guy pierce i mean it's kubrickian it's like the fucking bone turning into the space station in 2001 i thought it was brilliant yeah yes it's two unrelated items bridged together <laughs> by nothing but a jump cut in, in time no i thought it was very confusing too <laughs> is that intentional though are they trying to mislead us to what end would <sighs> they question. do that though i can't think right, of a narrative exactly. reason for it but also like i can't imagine why they would have done that with two, I mean, the young actor and the older actor look very similar, and like they they draw what seems like such a, a clear grammatic formal parallel between the two. Apparently unintentionally, I don't know. It's here's, very strange. Here's what they were thinking. Okay, they're they're transitioning from one protege to another, and they don't know shit about editing, and they just didn't realize how confusing that was going to be. It was more of a thematic transition than anything else. Could or be. maybe there was no nothing meant. It was just like, all right, this happened, and now this is going to happen, and they didn't even think about what the cut was communicating. But it's all fun. it's all good. It's all good. I was hopelessly confused for the first five minutes of the following scene, but it's all good. I can't wait for Justin W. Page or whatever the director name the director of this's name is to email us GJ Actor and Camp style and explain this whole thing and just knock us on our asses. He should. I would love to talk to Justin P. Lange, the Me writer too. director. Um, I, I was fascinated by this movie, and we will get into it. But um, basically, you know, this next scene sets up the premise of the movie, which is that um, uh, our our father Daniel uh, is a uh, he's a up and coming exorcist, fresh out of the exorcism academy, basically, and he gets teamed up, kind of as part of his graduation, with Guy Pierce, who is grizzled former exorcist like is he still an exorcist i guess he's still on the rolls well i mean stephen lang like explains you know back in the good old days we used to do more exorcisms and now that's looked down upon like the church doesn't really do exorcisms anymore but there are still some priests some mavericks some john mccain's out there who are still fighting the good fight guy pierce is here and he's he's your dude he wears a fucking like uh striped sweater all the time he acts like a badass. He talks like he thinks he's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yes. Dude, I thought it was Mark Wahlberg. Half or, I, I knew it was Guy <laughs> Pierce, but I, he, he, I put Mark Wahlberg in there in my imagination. He's like, we don't wear fucking collars. That's for that's for fucking priests. I'm an yeah. exorcist. Yeah, they come in this, and Stephen Lang is being like the most frail elderly archbishop he can possibly muster. And then Guy Pierce is like. You think you know about exorcism, you son of a bitch? You're a pussy. Come ride with me for the day. And this movie basically It's basically training day for exorcism. (laughs) I was like, this is fucking training day with exorcists, which is the most absurd premise. It is an amazing idea. It's something I would come up with on Um, (laughs) G-Chat. Like, like, here's an exorcism movie, but it's, it's just training day. And that's what it is. And so they're like riding around in the car together. And like, you know, Father Daniel's being very by the book and Guy Pierce is like, nah, fuck that shit. We're going to go harass some homeless people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. And so that's basically the movie. You got this, these two priests, you got the Maverick who's like, and, and you know, the reason he's a Maverick is because uh, presumably, well, he kind of explains he's traumatized by this exorcism gone wrong. And he's kind of made it his life's mission to go after the demons and go after the devil but maybe not in the ways the traditional ways um and then you know this this new guy is um fresh out of school you know he's he's a true believer and 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 basically they encounter a boy who just murdered his family and they suspect that it was the work of the devil and so the main the basic premise of the movie is these two exorcists with different styles different ages are going to work together to help cure this boy of the devil 
can we talk about that houseless encampment and what was going on there for a minute? I yes. Maybe I missed something, but my impression was that Guy Pierce was just like, well... You know, we gotta we gotta see if you're any good at this. I can almost guarantee you that one of these fucks is possessed. We're gonna walk around and you tell me who it is. Like, had he done any research ahead of time on who was actually camping out there, or was it just a shot in the dark? Well, Unclear. I mean, I, I I think there's some revelations later in the movie that inform a lot of that. Um, well, it's and, true, and but if you're just following along, if you're just following along chronologically through this story, I thought. <laughs> It's just very, no, very it, yeah. Well, on first watch, it seems like Guy Pierce knows that there's a demon there, um, and he's just trying to see if Father Daniel can can feel out the demon yeah. as well. And he's like, "How are you gonna stop evil if you don't recognize it?" Great moment, right? And he pe- he pegs the wrong person. It turns out like the 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 woman who's cooking meals for all the houseless people or whatever, or who's like kind of like or directing the whole thing. Yeah. She's Father the demon. Daniel. Father Daniel goes straight for the only black man in the yep. encampment. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is this guy's evil. And he's like, man, what are you talking about? And then they're like, no, actually, it's the elderly lady who runs the thing. It's pretty cringy. I thought it was hilarious when, when she kind of transitions into her demon mode. Do you remember that stray shot of the tent? flying yes. out of the encampment oh, yeah. like a rocket. I screamed. <laughs> I screamed and rewound it and screamed again. That was it's amazing. great. You know, lot, lots of batshit stuff in this movie. Let's just throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, that tent appears, it looks like it's on a wire. <laughs> it had to be. It's so funny because it's perfectly horizontal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like the, um, I laughed about as hard as I did in the scene in Red Dragon when Philip Seymour Hoffman is riding in the flaming <laughs> wheelchair down the street. <laughs> it's just inexplicably funny. Um, you know, there's some good character development. I, I was actually really drawn into these characters at the beginning of this movie. Guy Pierce is, puts on a great performance in this. I mean, he he fucking carries Guy Pierce always puts on a great show. We love Gre- yeah. Guy Pierce. This is, this is his best performance since Prometheus. And oh God, get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that. <laughs> and uh, he, I mean, uh, although to be fair, has he been in anything since Prometheus? The motherfucker is is very selective he, about his roles, elusive. which really makes me wonder why he decided to do this. Uh, he's not selective at all, man. If you go to his IMDb, pack a lunch. He's in really? so much more shit than I realized. <laughs> and so much I haven't heard of. <laughs> huh. If you go to his IMDb, pack a lunch. <laughs> Uh, is that something people say that was hilarious to me it's something i heard somebody say once and i thought it was the funniest thing i'd ever heard so i oh wow yeah he has been in a lot since prometheus (laughs) first time i saw Um, this is interesting maybe i don't know it is to me um i'm a huge guy pierce fan i'll watch him in anything especially if kate winslet's in it i forgot that he was in mayor of easttown um the first guy pierce movie i ever saw was the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, when yes. I was like eight. <laughs> Way too young for a movie about burnt-out drag queens in Australia. <laughs> it left an impression on me. Interestingly, he's become less selective over time. Like, early in his career, he was in some big movies, but he would only do like one or two a year and sometimes skip years. But like the last, I don't know, decade or so, he's been a lot more prolific. That's interesting. Well, you know, that's that's what streaming will do for you. You know, this he's a he is a mid budget actor. He is a mid budget actor, and uh, and you know the the, the mid budget streaming explosion gets you some Guy Pierce, <laughs> or maybe he bought a castle like Jeremy Irons, and he's got to work to pay it off. Jeremy Irons has Maybe. a castle. That's yeah. amazing. He's, he gave a quote once saying, like, that's why he's in all these terrible movies, because he has to afford his castle. <laughs> huh. Well, he's great, and he's a pleasure to watch in this movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a really a really good scene I liked where he basically explains all his traumas and his motivations to do the work that he does. And then he's like, why are you in this line of work, Father David? And like Father David has nothing to say, and we're like, oh, Father David is just like he's a straight A student, and he just wants to be like, <laughs> you know, he's just doing this because it, it's there, basically. Um, he he wants this. He wants to be an exorcist for his resume. Yeah, I mean, Guy um, Pierce was interesting in the way that Guy Pierce usually is, and also in the sense that, like, again, kind of fun to have this like rebel training day exorcist, but Father David, ugh, 
just I, not a lot going on there, man. Not a lot to uh, to no, draw kind of you to this protagonist. Yeah, he is. He's and he's, I feel like that's he's kind a of wet blanket. I mean, it is, but also like there's just there's there's no depth there. There's significance yeah, to, to see... that at the end of the film, but but that doesn't carry me through the movie before I know what's going on at the end. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We need to see. We need to we need to find more. He he doesn't he doesn't really have a lot of character, and I feel like that is good at the beginning, but then maybe not when it's just when there's so many scenes of just him, like doing exploring like the boy and stuff like that. Like he doesn't do anything to ingratiate himself to the audience. Like he never saves the cat. Even like he's just kind of yeah. there. He's just there. Yeah. Just window dressing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. You know, to use one of our favorite phrases, it's hard to talk about this movie because there is a significant twist that d- does recontextualize the movie pretty extremely. So yeah, a little hard to talk about. The kid's good, I guess. Charlie is Charlie's fine. <laughs> Some good hallucinatory flashbacks to him axe murdering his family. That's that's all fine. Yeah, it's fine. I I found this movie to be this is a term I use a lot. I found this movie to be very sleepy. And I found even oh, the yeah. performances to be for the most part. I mean, Guy Pierce turns it up to like 7 by the end of the movie, but I feel like he's perfectly fine. I'm not complaining. It he just didn't feel very invested. It feels like he speaks very quietly most of the time. There's no score either. Except when things get intense and then you have swelling strings. And that was something I noticed after a while. Like there just wasn't, it didn't feel like there was a lot of momentum building on any level. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very slow paced and feels rather uneventful for a movie that clocks in under 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like seven days. (laughs) I didn't get bored watching this movie. I will say that. I didn't get bored. Uh, I just felt like a lack of, lack of energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of like a roller coaster because I thought Guy Pierce was electric, and I I love spending time with that character. Mm. Um, but he's not in it. He's there's stretches of the movie because because he's his character is really letting Father David kind of do his own thing because yeah. he wants he wants Father David to develop. So he's like Father David's like, oh, let's go check out this thing, and Guy Pierce is like. Nah, you're gonna check out this thing. Yeah. I'm gonna stay in the car and smoke a cig. And so Father David has to, you know, has he gets a lot of scenes where he's investigating the paranormal, but as we've discussed, he's not really a compelling character. And I'm just like, all right, I'm ready for more Guy Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce is a mid budget actor, but the budget for this was so low that Guy Pierce was like, You can have me, but I'm gonna stay in the car and smoke a cig. <laughs> right. Well, I thought about that. It makes you wonder how many days they had him for Stephen Lang apparently shot for three days and that shocks me because he's talk about guy pierce not being in this enough he's barely in this thing mm-hmm. i think he has three he scenes gets a, total. he gets a lot there's a lot of dialogue though he's he's in he's in there for some pages you know <laughs> they go back to him a few times there's actually more Stephen lang than i expected i saw that first scene i was like oh Stephen lang is this is his only scene but no he comes back quite a few times um and i really enjoyed him too he's a you know Stephen Lang, he's what he's a he's what they call an actor's actor. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Yes. Oh, this reminded me strongly of uh, what was that one that you liked, Chris? That you got on Blu-ray? Vatican. The tapes. Vatican tapes. Yeah, it has. Yeah, this that reminded me same, a lot of Vatican tapes. Yeah, it has that same very like budget exorcism movie with some recognizable actors. And, and was of roughly the same caliber in my mind as the Vatican tapes. Yes. And, and, and in my mind too. And here's the thing, like the, the, the Vatican tapes was a little bat shit and this movie's a little bat shit, mm-hmm. but I can never tell with these exorcism movies, if any of it's knowingly bat shit or if it's very self-serious mm-hmm. because I find a lot of the elements of exorcism just to be silly or for mm-hmm. fun. And I don't know if that's the right reading of it, but 
it's how I it's how I appreciate it. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed most of the stuff in this movie and, and and the little paranormal investigation stuff. There's one point where they're like, How did this child get possessed? And they track his movements and they decide he, he used to hang out in this like dilapidated skating rink and some other kids took him into the back room and he played with a Ouija board <laughs> and that's how he got <laughs> possessed. Okay. I I had a question that moment. I, I don't think I've ever seen a Ouija board in like a traditional Catholic possession movie, and I'm wondering if those are sanctioned by the church. Or wait, no, no he gets in have. trouble. He gets in trouble with Stephen Lang afterward for doing. Well, that. well, in The Exorcist, she's playing with a Ouija board at the beginning. Oh, really? God, I totally forgot. She's but, talking to Captain Howdy on the Ouija board. That's right? right. But I guess I mean, have we ever seen a priest use a Ouija board before? Oh, I I don't know. This this might be the only time in on, on film that we've seen a priest use a Ouija board. I thought it was pretty batshit and novel. I liked it. I like that. So that's what I texted you guys and I said there was a moment where I said, "Oh yes," oh, <laughs> that was that when was they it. revealed the Ouija board. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the tent. <laughs> no, 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 no. You show me a Ouija board when you take me halfway into a movie and then you pull out a Ouija board. You have my attention. <laughs> Yeah. I'm surprised that you guys were so like knocked out by that. I mean, to me, that's just such a it's so tropey. I mean, I didn't dislike it being there, but it st- certainly didn't strike me as novel. I guess. Yeah, I just love Ouija board scenes. I do too. Oh, this was a pretty good one. This was a, this was a pretty good Ouija board scene. <laughs> What's the best Ouija board scene, Chris? In your estimation, oh, the Origin fuck. of Evil. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's probably got to be something in Ouija Origin of Evil, but I haven't seen that movie since it was in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that'd be your answer. Well, should we review it? I feel like we've kind of run out of gas without being able to discuss the big spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and not just so much the spoiler, but like there's a lot of batshit stuff that I want to talk about, but it would just become us recapping the whole plot. So we might as well go into the spoiler room to do that. So I guess it's time to review it. Steven, how about you, sir? Would you view it? Would you cue it? Or would you screw it? Uh, I'm gonna give it a screw it, but not uh, not with prejudice. I mean, it's watchable, little sleepy. Did have some novel moments in it for me, like we talked about the Ouija board, the flying tent, <laughs> the the crucifix, the crucifix necklace foo. Uh, there's some some floating pencil foo later on that I kind of enjoyed, uh, but for the most part, it didn't really stand apart to me from other kind of mid-budget like straight to streaming horror movies that we've reviewed on the show before so i can't think of a compelling reason to advise anyone to check it out screw it chris i'm gonna give it a view it Whoa, okay <laughs> coming in hot yeah i like i said i didn't get bored with this movie and it entertained me a lot and the, i mean the basic premise of training day with exorcists um was just a source of delight for me um there was a lot of fun scenes um the ending i did not like um and 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 anytime i thought it was starting to get a little too self-serious um then i didn't like it but for the most part this thing moves it's fun it's batshit it's crazy um you know in terms of exorcism movies it held my attention guy pierce has a delight to watch he really carried this thing um and it was just a, it was just a crazy movie, and it was a very unique viewing experience. Um, and I, my life would be poorer had I not been exposed to this film. <laughs> wow! So I'll give it a view. It that's not to say it's a fantastic movie, but but it it satisfied me. Uh, Patrick, uh, I'll give it a rather frustrated screw it because there are elements of the concept that are really intriguing to me. I mean, once again, Exorcist Training Day, awesome, love that concept, but to me it just didn't really do much with that or deliver on it. Like, that just opens up possibilities for so much fun batshit stuff that I didn't get from this movie. And, you know, there's, again, a twist that we'll talk about in the spoiler room, which also is pretty cool, but just wasn't fully delivered on to me and ended up winding up feeling like some sort of sequel set up almost more than anything that Mm. actually worked within the context of this movie. So just, yeah, frustrating in that there's, there are ideas here that are novel and have potential, but just don't go a whole hell of a lot of anywhere for me. I wish it had leaned more into being a beat for beat remake of training day. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I want to get in the car, and Guy Pierce is like, "Drink this. That's demon blood." <laughs> he's like, "What?" <laughs> and it's like he's has to drink it like a dark song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, yeah, go go crazy with this concept, and they yeah, didn't go crazy. But uh, I, I I think you know I don't think it goes crazy because I think and again this is something this is the reason why I'd like to talk to the the writer director it seems like this is a movie that wants to be about something wants to say something I think it's kind of we'll talk about it more but but his I think the message is a little confused but there's a purpose I think there's a meaning in this movie he's not just gonna go for for silly shit even though that's the movie I want to see yeah. Oh, well. All right. Well, I guess we'll head on to the spoiler room and talk about this plot in a little more detail and talk about that twist we've been alluding to. Uh, But before we do that, you know, um, if you can't wait two more weeks to listen to us, go online. Check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're at AmonCast, E-H-M-O-N Cast. You can go to our website, everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. Check us out there. Uh, we've got a merchandise store where we have a t-shirt for sale, but you can get the same print put on a coffee mug or, I mean, a variety of items, really. And you name it, they can put that design on it. Uh, a so kitchen apron, perhaps. Again, apron. It's it's the holidays. You're going to be making Christmas cookies. You need an apron that has an image of a TV ejaculating blood all over a man. <laughs> <laughs> you need this in your home for the holidays it's christmas time perfect gifts if order now rush shipping maybe you'll get it by saint patrick's day and since we're talking <laughs> about perfect christmas gifts you know what would be the perfect christmas gift to us is to go to your podcast provider of choice and leave us a rating or a review we love to see your feedback and it helps people find the show god damn it yeah well and if it's a christmas a, gift i mean five stars only i think we can safely say that yeah right? yeah. yeah this yeah. month four stars, this month three. five stars only yeah. yeah this month you put a star on the christmas tree you send five to your boys yeah that's don't troll do. us don't troll us no no trolls we don't need we don't need no elves we don't need no grinches no we need angels Kindness, only joy yeah <laughs> tidings tidings of what's that called tidings of comfort and joy yeah, leave leave some fucking ca- uh, cookies and milk out for Santa. Leave some carrots out for the fucking reindeer, and leave some stars out for the every horror movie on Netflix gang for your boys. All right, well, go watch the movie if you want to watch the movie. Otherwise, stick around, and we'll be back in just a few seconds to spoil everything about the seventh day. Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We are down here in the spoiler room, getting ready to spoil everything about the seventh day. Seventh day, training day. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so like like we said, the the main plot line here is this young boy named Charlie. He didn't just bite your finger. He killed <laughs> his entire family with an axe, which I feel like axe murder is probably not that easy. Have you ever got, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> I thought you were just going to ask if you ever axe murdered anybody. No, but like, I mean, listen, I can, I can hardly chop wood with an axe. Right. And I know like a human body is more, more mushy than, I mean, I could probably break up watermelons with an axe pretty easily, but is the human body, like, I feel like you're hitting someone with an axe, you're doing a lot of blunt trauma, but it's not just gonna like, you know, it's not gonna be like cutting a watermelon, especially if you're a young boy, right? We're talking about a young boy. It depends how much you sharpen your axe. You gotta sharpen it first. But the young boy has demonic power. He has demonic power. Well, there we go. He has big demon energy. He's got big demon energy. He's yeah. That's you, you, guys. If you want to, if you want to boost your numbers at the gym, get possessed by the demon. 
<laughs> you'll be benching your personal record in no time. Um, but yeah, so so he, you know, we tour the house where the murders happened. He's able to just get in, and and it's and and you know, obviously, obviously, something a, a priest would never be able to do. But Guy Pierce is like, we're confronting millennia old ancient evils and you're worried about a trespassing citation (laughs) um so so father father daniel explores his house he sees all the like you know hallucinations of the grisly murders notably he sees a scene that implies that young charlie was possibly abused by a priest who came to visit Mm -hmm. him which is quite interesting from a thematic level, especially, but then it's never discussed again or, or referenced again. Well, in the in the sister <clears throat> in that scene, the sister also uses a, a gay epithet uh, when when referencing him too, and that that never led to anything either. Uh, like if you're gonna right. if you're gonna throw out the the f word, you gotta you gotta back it up with something. Right, and I was confused because I thought we were. I thought maybe like there was a there was a presence that had been in the house for a while because I thought that maybe we were in a different era because they're all wearing like clothes from like the '60s. Mm-hmm. They're wearing like sweaters, turtleneck sweaters and shit at the dinner table, and then you know, yeah, they're 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 using that word and stuff. And I was like, well, maybe these this maybe this scene takes place in 1950 or something. Um, Nope, I guess that was just present day. Yeah, so a lot of weird, a lot of stuff that make you say, hmm, in this house sequence. And then at the end of the movie, you're still pretty much saying, hmm, about it. Yeah. Um, but but let me let me drop some facts that I learned from an interview with writer-director Justin P. Lange about, um, he, he is a, he grew up Catholic, no surprise, um, and he says that, you know, he's not necessarily Catholic now and he's got a, a mixed relationship with the church. And I guess this movie was m- intending to sort of doubt the institution of the church. He talks about Father David having good in- intentions. He says he has good intentions. He wants to do good. And then he sort of gets swallowed up by the noise. And we are on this journey with him where he's sort of being swallowed by the institution of exorcism. And he has to find his way back to the start and see the forest through the trees and really realize why he's there. It's really about this boy to save this boy and do right by this boy. So I think that there's a theme that he's trying to work on where it's like, okay, the, the church as an institution has all these issues in it and our hero sort of has to decide he's going to go be a maverick himself at the end of the movie uh, to save the boy. I mean, that sounds good on paper. I don't think I really sussed much of that out of the movie itself though. No, no, especially because I mean, the movie ends with, with him and, and, in Stephen Lang's office again, you know, very much a part of the church as an institution. The big important detail, it also kind of dovetails into what you're talking about too, though, is that like the big twist is Guy Pierce is actually evil. Guy Pierce is a demon. Yes, that's, that's revealed in the very end, but yeah, Guy Pierce is the demon. He's a demon. And has been going around like trying to corrupt other priests and create other demon priests. So there's old demon priest army themes of some, some institutional rot going on here, which is cool. You know, again, it's like, you know, Steven talks about how he hates exorcism movies. And I had never really thought about that before. It's not a genre that I have any strong feelings about one way or another until semi recently in my life. I've always just been like, eh, okay, whatever. It's a possession movie. But I feel like I, <laughs> we've watched enough at this point that I am starting to develop a similar dislike for them. But this movie <sighs> frustrated me because it, it leaned into some of the same tedious tropes, but also broke with some of them in a way that was interesting, but didn't quite follow through. You know, we've got, Mm -hmm. we we talk about how often like an exorcism movie involves a woman chained to a bed, you know, and this one is more about the victims are primarily little boys. And there is that Mm -hmm. implication of abuse at one time. And that's interesting, you know, to do something different there. It just doesn't really follow through with it in a way that, that delivers anything on that twist of the trope and kind of similarly it's cool that the demon actually turns out to be the priest and that the church is presumably full of these like other demon priests who he's corrupted at this point that's kind of a cool concept but it's 
it, it's explained so late and then and kind of in a way that seems to be setting it up for oh now father daniel has to go track down all the demon priests in the seventh day too or the eighth day or whatever it's going to be called you know the, the, the sequel that's never going to fucking happen which felt very corbin nash to me yes i don't know there's just there's just interesting ideas here that are not completed almost they're they're just like it's a it's a napkin sketch of some of these ideas that's kind of thrown at us and it's like okay you do what you want with this now i agree completely and and i mean not to not to be not to be a referee or a prude or anything but like i feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna allude to yeah sexual abuse by clergy yeah it, they should have a little more intention and it should amount to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, it's, it, it's not just something you put in a movie for 30 seconds and then say, all right, well, we're moving on now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. So yeah, I don't know, but yeah, that's the big, that's the big spoiler though. Guy Pierce is evil, which I did not like. I did not want, I, I did not oh. like him being evil. Huh. Um, okay. because I was, I was the, one of the things I was most emotionally attached to in this movie was guy pierce's motivations and his story about you know the exorcism gone awry that we saw in the beginning and how it really put this mission in his heart and then it's like oh well he's actually a demon doesn't really connect the dots for me it seemed very incongruous it seemed like okay well here's a we need a twist and here's the twist guy pierce is going to be evil um, and I have no idea yeah, because that's the thing. Guy Pierce has been recruiting other other clergy into a, a, a demon pact, I guess. And then at the end, Father Daniel gets a dossier from Stephen Lang of like all the demon priests in the world, and he's like about to go hunt them down. And he like looks in the fucking rearview <laughs> mirror of his car, his like taxi at the camera, driver. like are you ready for this shit? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, I don't want to see father Daniel hunting down. De- I want to see guy Pierce hunting down demon priests, <laughs> but this character who just had nothing going on all movie. I'm sorry. It felt like I had watched a really decompressed first act, you know, I was like, or maybe a first two acts or something. I was like, you're, you're robbing me of like the, the whole ending of this movie. Like this is just a setup. You know, I felt like it was just table setting. Yeah. I want to see him put the dossier on the passenger seat. Then I want to see him put a crossbow in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to see another half hour where he's just pulling up the different churches and crossbowing the priests and they're yeah. bursting into flames. Yeah. I mean, maybe I just <laughs> wanted this to be a little more uh, grindhouse than it ever intended to be. Right. Well, that's the thing, because it's not real. Like we said, it's not or like I said, (laughs) um, it's not like it's not trying to give us training day with priests. It's not trying to be grindhouse. It's trying to be relatively serious and sincere. But then it gives us an ending where it's like really pulpy. Yeah. Well, and like now I want to write this, but it's like, uh, you know, it's too clearly it would be a ripoff of the seventh day, but I want to like rewrite this as the movie that I want to see because I think it would be fucking great. You know what? You you just don't say that you just 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 don't admit to it, and you'll get away with it. <laughs> I just did live on air. No, yeah. We wouldn't cut that. We oh. can cut any mention to my my Funhouse remake script too. Just make people think <laughs> that's an original idea. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with remakes too, like. I mean, this is hardly a hot take, but, like, why aren't we remaking movies like this that don't work? And, like, making them, like, like allowing them to live to their potential. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's a great, yeah. Stop trying to fuck with the classics. I don't yeah. need to see a remake of fucking Halloween. Or the fucking Exorcist. <laughs> Sit the fuck yeah. down, David Gordon Green. <laughs> yeah, da- I want to see David Gordon Green remake this movie. With um, Guy Pierce, back. I'm again. I'm good. I don't need any more David Gordon Green <laughs> content. Just period. You know, George Washington, good time, but uh, we're we're good. David Gordon Green can retire. I want to see a movie called Father Peter Kills. <laughs> <laughs> That's Guy Pierce's character name. I don't think we said that on the show yet. <laughs> There's a big like overblown like action sequence that takes place in the 
youth center, which is like a fucking maximum security Arkham Asylum. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's typically what youth centers look like. Um, but Well, you mean like a juvenile detention center, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Juvenile detention. But like there's an interrogate you you know every movie now has to have an interrogation room scene <laughs> especially when you're when your child is channeling the joker <laughs> so there's a there's a sequence that like if you have photosensitivity issues will put you in the hospital are you talking about when he's slashing people up inside the interrogation room when the lights keep and flickering then after off? that after that, when he's in the when the father Daniel is in the hallway oh, yeah, and yeah. there's just like strobe lights going off nonstop, yeah, I don't know. There's an interest because the the little boy tells Father Daniel basically that Guy Pierce is evil, and so then there are some interesting scenes when Father Daniel and 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 Guy Pierce, Father Peter, are doing are preparing for this exorcism, but like there's some tension because we think Guy Pierce is evil, but it's not explicit yet. And that's fun. Then the facade drops and Guy Pierce reveals himself as evil. And Guy Pierce does this, you know, very cool acting turn where he goes from like, I'm normal Guy Pierce to I'm demon Guy Pierce now. But for some reason, in like the middle of his acting turn, they cut away to the reaction shot of Father Daniel, like looking at him. And we, so we, we miss the, 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 the performance. And that bothered me. Didn't bother anyone else? I'm the only one? All right. I was fairly checked out by that point in the movie. I did like (laughs) the obligatory uh, one bite of the apple bit that he did. Oh, that was great. That was great. I'm sure that that was not an ad lib. (laughs) I want it to be an ad lib, but I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, he's like, this is fresh, and he just throws it. Yeah, that was great. Or no, he said it's ripe or something. This is ripe, and then he throws it away like gross. Mm-hmm. Guy Pierce, I mean, he he goes full demon. He becomes Patrick Wilson at the end of this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely. that's an insult to Patrick Wilson. I don't think he's quite on that level. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is not there's this is not full dun dun dun. <laughs> then he's going batshit. How does he how does he end up dying? Uh, he gets stabbed in the same yeah, place with the crucifix. In, in the carotid artery or whatever. Same way, oh, right. same way Keith David died. Yeah. With a crucifix? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The same crucifix? Ooh, good question. Probably not. That would be too it's cool poetry. for this movie. Well, because Guy Pierce gave him that crucifix. Yeah, which he didn't want to take. So, I, yeah, I think it's the same one. Oh, wow. I missed that. Uh, Pretty cool know. stuff. But 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 when they <laughs> when they do when they start doing the exorcism, like Little little Charlie is like about to burn alive, just like the other kid did, mm-hmm. and 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 Father Daniel's like, I I don't think this is I Charlie. I, are you? Hey Charlie, I don't, I don't think this. And Guy Pierce is like, don't fucking talk to Charlie. Don't just 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 read the script, bro. Everything's fine. Yeah, his skin's boiling a little bit. Just just keep reading the fucking script, bro. Um, <laughs> and and I guess the implication is that Guy Pierce is gonna have the the kid catch fire and then i guess is, is that gonna turn father daniel to evil i don't know but that's where we get the sort of turn where like father father daniel has to make the decision to be like no i'm actually not gonna follow the, the old ways i'm gonna you know i'm a good follow priest. my instinct and my heart and be the good priest be the real maverick so i mean he learned something but not enough to you know go rogue and walk the earth like guy pierce because he he ends up back in the in the office with Stephen Lang at the end. Mm-hmm. As a good, good Catholic soldier. Well, should we stick a crucifix in the carotid artery of this conversation? I've got nothing left to contribute. I guess I got nothing else. All right. Well, perfect movie. Perfect <laughs> a, film. A perfect film. I enjoyed this movie. Fuck you guys. I would watch the eighth day, <laughs> but they would have to, they would have to bring me guy Pierce back as a ghost or a demon. <laughs> He could come back. Listen, if Stephen Lang can come back from the dead for Avatar 2, Guy Pierce can come back from the dead in the demon movie, The Eighth Day. It would be great to have him just as like a fucking like Obi-Wan blue ghost in the passenger seat, <laughs> fucking talking shit while Father Daniel's driving around trying yeah. to trying to kill all his demon priests. Being a demon, and he has to kill all the demon priests to rid himself of the haunting of, of demon Guy Pierce's ghost. Sounds great.
we can fundraise. We can we can get the eighth day made, and we can produce it, and it could be that movie. The seventh day fans are clamoring for it, man. They'll chip in. They'll show up. I wonder how many people have seen this movie because it was produced in part by Redbox. So I assume it there's mm. there are fucking DVDs of this, uh, you know, scattered to the four winds. It's out there. It's available. Scattered to fucking animals across the country. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go get a fucking prepaid visa and go to a red box and check this out <laughs> and never bring it back oh my god what a scam i never would have thought of that <laughs> i don't know if that works but we'll find out we'll find out <laughs> all right well let's hope you're not in prison when we do our our very special next episode yeah, we're bringing you a holiday a holiday tradition for Amon, but also a little little surprise this year. It's got a special twist. We always do our year-end episode where we look back at some of our favorite horror films from Amon that we've watched for Amon as well as just things that we've enjoyed in general from from the year. We give out the coveted Spirit of Jay Award, where we all nominate the character from an Amon movie this year that we thought best represented the spirit of Jay. And we can't all uh, pick Guy Pierce. I'm just going to throw that. <laughs> yeah. Not, not in the running for me. I have to figure out who's this year's Mr. Bonku. <laughs> but the special twist is that this year we're going to be doing that episode live on twitter space live on social media probably on a twitter space if twitter space is still a thing uh so there might be a little you know some interactive content you might be able to call in talk to us a little bit get on on the show if you're well behaved uh, or or especially if you're not well behaved <laughs> um, but details of that will be forthcoming but we're looking at doing it on the 28th of december so, you know, there's that lull between Christmas and New Year where you're like, I don't know. I got nothing to do. Come hang out with us online. Have a cup of Old Lang Syne. <laughs> Come have a cup of Old Lang Syne with us. And then we'll be releasing that as an episode on December 30th. So you can listen to it right before the year ends for tax purposes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as low energy as I have been today, I am very excited for that That special episode oh yeah hell yeah drink two monsters before we do that one we always have a great time on that episode it's always one of my uh, it it, yeah perhaps one of the only things i look forward to about this podcast every year just kidding damn wow damn just kidding i also look forward to the next time that we review two james wan movies in a row i'm not gonna allow that to happen again (laughs) i can tell you that Hopefully that'll be soon. Yes. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, Join us on December 28th for whatever live recording session we end up doing to close out the year. And then if you miss it, don't worry. Two days later, you can listen to it on your podcast provider of choice. Just like you listen to this episode. Until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. Goodbye. Goodbye.